Hey, Pepin. Yo, yo. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about um, writing. Writing? Yeah, like, you know how sometimes you write a story and then other people read it? Uh, yeah, well, sometimes you just write, like, Twitter bios. Yeah, that's true, but I, I want to talk, like, specifically about, like, writers. Oh. And does who writes a story change your perception of it and how you interact with said story? So, the relation of you to the story? The relationship of you to the author. Oh. Or the author to you, maybe. See, this is I'm very confused about, so I think we need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going today, Pepin? Yo, yeah, I'm doing well. How about you, Meter? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. So I had a question. Do you have any idea where I'm going with this one? Uh, Stephen King. Okay. What about it? What's your relationship with Stephen King like? Every time you bring up authors and writing, it goes to Stephen King. So that, you know that's what? just what I assume. That's fair. So I got I got a question. Do you think who the author is changes the perception of the story for you? Uh, I don't read very much, so maybe, maybe not. Okay. Uh, if I read, it's usually nonfiction, and it's usually informational. So sometimes if I'm reading something and I know the author and I trust the author, like I read it in a way where I'm less suspicious of it. And less like trying to find bullshit, or you know, like, like I take it more seriously. And let's talk about let's talk about uh, entertainment reading. Okay, uh, not necessarily something like that you're trying to decipher whether it's fact or not. You're reading for entertainment. Yeah, which we know you don't do because you're illiterate. Okay. Yeah. But if you weren't, like uh, a lot of people, when they read Frankenstein. They loved it, and then they found out that it was written by a teenage girl, and all of a sudden people didn't like it anymore. Do you think that who the author is should change the content of what's being written? Uh, I don't, well, not post hoc, I don't think. Mm -hmm. uh, because if it's post hoc changing, then, it, you know, that should that's not really logical, right? Well, I mean, it could be if there's something that's being said that, now seems to be maybe you didn't read into it correctly because you weren't thinking of it from the correct perspective. Okay, okay. Here, here's an instance. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you read a story yeah. and it's about a, uh, a father-daughter relationship that's yeah. very sweet and very caring and it's, you know, very heartwarming. At the end, you feel like, you know, this is so great. And then you find out that this guy was a pedophile. And he molested all of his daughters. Yeah. It kind of changes the story a bit. Okay. So you agree with me, not you. You're uh, supporting me. Well, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Perfect. But, but well, yeah, but, you know, you know that, that's like an instance where it's, it's kind of like, it's still a nice story and everything, but that kind of taints the story. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's other times I, I think if it's not after the fact, it may make you more into it. So I'm thinking like. Uh, I listened to some audiobooks from George R. R. Martin mm -hmm. and Game of Thrones. And the fact that I knew he's a really good writer 
and that the you know the writing was fantastic in the other books made me less skeptical about where things were going because a lot of times I if I've read nonfiction, it's like it goes into like some side character and it is just not interesting and like is this gonna pay off? It always pays off with him, so it, it makes you less skeptical of that while I reading see. too. I see. So that the who the author is can change your perspective both before you read and after you read. Yeah, yeah, and during read during reading too. Because mm. if you know the author's good, then like Stephen King, like I haven't really heard anyone say oh, that Stephen King book was terrible, mm-hmm. right? They always said oh, it was pretty good. You know, they'll usually say the ending was kind of bad, but no one ever like says the book was bad. They know they know what to expect from from him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, now for the the real question that I had here. If you wanted to, do you have you ever like read sexy books? No. Like read porn? No. I Let's, mean, okay. I have read some stuff on Reddit, but that was more like from like. Uh, not reading it for enjoyment, reading it for lulls. Okay. If well, that, let, that makes sense. Let's say there was the greatest written porn ever. Okay. To ever be written. Yep. It was so hot. Okay. And you wanted to read it, right? Okay. Let's say it was written by your dad. Okay. Would you read that porn? Well, probably not because I wouldn't read porn in general, but... uh no, but one of the one of the parts of this is that you want to read this. Like you, you would get enjoyment. It's guaranteed you would get enjoyment out of reading this. Okay, yeah. Would the fact that it's written by your father change whether you read this porn or not? I think so, because I'd be thinking about my father like writing it, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, it's 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 not quite the same scenario, but imagine like your father starred in the best you know video porn ever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just gets everybody off. The fact, you know, even if he's just the cameraman in that, you probably don't want to even see it. And that's where I was going to go is because it's one thing to like, if your dad's writing a porn about himself, like then you can't divorce yourself from that. But if he's just writing a hot porn that doesn't have anything to do with this, it's just other characters. Does the fact that he wrote it have implications while you're reading it? Yeah. I Can you divorce yourself from it? Probably. Uh, See, this is a problem I don't have right now. So, because uh, your dad doesn't write porn, uh, as far as I know, he might. Fair, uh, but I think it wouldn't be okay. Let's say I got really into like this uh, graphic sex scenes in these porn novels things, okay. and you know, let's say my dad has a pen name and it's like John Hancock, and it's, it's a real good porn name, and. You know, I get super into all of these books and these scenes. I have the whole, like, collection on my bookshelf. And then, like, years later, I find out that my dad wrote it. Like, it would be awkward, but it wouldn't be as awkward as finding out that uh, my dad was a hot chick in that porn I watched on uh, New Porn. Yeah, that that would definitely be more weird. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So... You pro- you wouldn't be interested in watching a porn that your dad starred in. What? But uh, you imply that you wouldn't want it even if he was a cameraman, even if he was the director. You, would, you wouldn't be interested. Yeah, because there's that association there. Like, I, I don't know. Like, 
Okay, like I'd just be thinking of my dad watching, like filming the uh, the, the porn in the background. And he's kind of mm-hmm. like in my head while like I am in the, you know. You're like, this is from my dad's perspective. Y- yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like, like you can't. Which is worse, it being from your dad's perspective or your dad being like the director, the one who actually created the idea. And you're like, this is his fantasy. Well, it depends if that idea stars Dito Angel, to be honest. I okay. Mean, Fair enough. Yeah. So if Dito Angel's involved, all bets are off. I mean, all ideas are good with Dito Angel, so. If your dad's fucking Dito Angel, you're watching that. No. Ooh, you thought real oh, hard about that. God. You, I think he wants to say yes. You caught me off guard with that because I, I said all ideas are good and then came up with like the ultimate like this like fuck you answer. I'm like, oh, that's true. That isn't a good idea. What if it's a deep fake? Uh. Of Dito Angel or of my dad? Dito Angel. Your dad is the mocap for Dito Angel's deepfake. Okay, I don't want to get anywhere near this. Well, that's the topic. Uh, so how do you how do you feel about your dad and Dito Angel? I'm not a big fan of Dito Angel. Have you seen her? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, she's not really that hot. What? Yo, you can have your fantasy. It's fine. I haven't knocked it ever. Uh, okay. Jeez. Uh, okay. You're really judgmental of me being judgmental of your fantasies. Yeah, I really am. Well, see, see, this is like this the pinnacle of like uh, Czechoslovakian beauty. Okay. Okay. Well, that's fair. Czech, the Czech are a beautiful people. Yep. Especially uh, Miss Dito. Miss Dito. Mm-hmm. Is she a miss? You know that? No, she's going to be married. Well, see, th- the thing is. Are you following her Dito Angel life? is his poor name, uh-huh. right? And the poor name is the fantasy implied. I see. So, so you can make it whatever you want. Yeah, it could be Miss or Mrs. If that's the fantasy, you can you can divorce yourself like that though. What, what do you mean? Like I don't know. I guess I would take things too literal. That like if like I don't like like cheating videos because I'm like somebody's like being hurt by this. That's not erotic for me. I can't divorce myself from the fact that like these are. I can't be like well these are just two actors like playing a thing out. Oh. It's like I don't I'm not interested in one where wife cheats on husband or husband cheats on wife. That's just not erotic to me. Uh so it's erotic to me because the implication so how do I put this exactly? I am a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Like I have morals, I have these things inside mm-hmm. me, but there's also the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if you see for instance, we went to that Super Bowl thing a while ago. Uh, okay. Back in the day, interested where this is going. And this person took their shoes off to play soccer at the thing, yeah. and then he like had a bunch of money shoved into the shoe. Yeah, nobody's around, right? Uh-huh. And there's that temptation there to steal that money. Okay. Right. Right. No, but go on. No, there is. I mean, maybe not for you. Okay. Okay, but I feel that temptation. There we go. I I don't steal the money, right? Mm-hmm. But I have that part of me that thinks, you know, no one, no, no one catch me. No one knows these are my shoes. No one knows who the fuck shoes these are. Mm-hmm. So if I take this money, no one's gonna like know, and I just benefit from it, right? So that that's the kind of uh, immoral, bad, evil thought. You know what you want to say? There's the temptation there. Uh, same with cheating. I think cheating is attractive because, you know, especially if there's an opportunity to get away with it. It's like one kind of nightstand that no one's going to find out about. And, you know, these are all the circumstances that are built in because you could say, well, maybe she'll find out about it. or Maybe the guilt will eat at you and everything like that. It, that's, that's the thing. It's the same thing with, like, stealing the money. But at least within the circumstance, you, you know, there's an attractive allure to that because it's, 
it's something you can get away with and you're benefiting from it. But the benefit is that it's bad. So that's just not a benefit to me. Well, no, no the, the, be- the benefit's not that it's bad. The benefit is that you're getting sex from somebody, right? Yeah, but there's like a million other people that you could be having sex with. Well, So there's something alluring specifically about it being with that person. Well, that's availability then. You can't have sex with a million different people all at once. I mean, it, that'd be great, but, you know, it just happens to be this one person here. It could be any person. So you're saying that the only benefit you're getting from a cheating video is that it's having sex with a person. Well, no, that's, that's, that's the word cheating. The cheating, the word cheating, the, I mean, there's many different lures, but mm-hmm. for me, it's like getting the $20 without having to pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. So most guys, or a lot of guys, they're, they're in the, the hookup scene, right? And those guys are in the hookup scene, they just want some quick pussy, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're about. So they, they want that sexual intercourse without having a big thing about it. Uh, people who maybe like these cheating videos, they want... A sec, you know, they want a quick sexual thing. And a lot of times that sexual thing is with, you know, maybe the female is partnered with another male and there's that aspect to it. So they can get a sexual, have sexual intercourse with the female and then, or maybe they're cheating on their girlfriend, right? They could be either or, but the whole idea is they're getting sex from somebody who is committed or they're committed themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, just having sex with other people. Mm-hmm. Which is the thrill of being caught. Well, yeah, but well, I, I think the the base sexual impulse there to have sex with people is the main thing and being attracted to women in general or men in general, whatever the premise is. Because there's nothing exclusionary to I'm with this person, now I'm only attracted to this one person. Mm-hmm. Right, right? Like if I have a girlfriend, I'm not my girlfriend sexual. I am still heterosexual. I'm attracted to other women and I want to have sex with other women. But I make a commitment if I'm in a monogamous relationship to only have sex with that one person. Mm-hmm. So that desire is still there to have sex with other people. I just repress it or I control it. Mm-hmm. And maybe one way of controlling it is having sex with my girlfriend. But another way of controlling it is to just kind of let these desires kind of come out a little bit. I just feel like that I would be I, – I would feel too guilty. About what? Even just – even – putting myself in an imaginary headspace where I'm cheating on somebody. Well, like while watching a cheating video porn, I would feel too guilty and it just wouldn't be erotic. Okay. I mean, I, if I think you get very much into like the, like the actuality of it and not the fantasy because, well, that's yeah. My fantasies aren't, don't revolve around things that I can't do in real life. Things that my my like moral implications are so deep rooted that even they exist even in my dark fantasies. Like I don't want to do the bad things even in the bad like the bad thoughts. See, I I think you might be unusual in that way, which is not to say it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just to say that I think a lot of people, myself included, have fantasies that are more escapist from the constraints of reality. So how do you not feel guilty about that escapism? Cause, well, because it's a fantasy. Like, Well, yeah, but that means that the desire's there, and that means that, it, like, it's it's like doing it. It it's How is it different from doing it? If you're thinking about doing it, you might as well be doing it. Like, 
what? Well, because I'm not quite understanding this. So I, like I said, I'm heterosexual, right? Okay. So that made that real clear today. Yeah. That, that's, that's a fact about myself, right? Okay. So the fact that I'm heterosexual is that I want to have sex with, with women, right? Mm-hmm. You know, particularly attractive women, right? So we get, okay. we'd have that qualifier in there. Sure. Uh, but that, that, that's kind of what that nature is. Being in a relationship with somebody does not nullify that. And why would I expect it to nullify that? Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it's kind of like a weird thought in general. And I don't think anybody expects that except for dealing with the insecurity of their partner. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes someone will say that, uh, you, you know, if they see someone checking out another woman or, you know, you know that they watch porn or anything like that, they say, you know, you don't find me attractive. You don't find me this. You know, they might complain about that. But, and they might say, no, I only have eyes for you. No, I only find you attractive. But, you know, they're lying. You know, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, usually if someone is even in a relationship, they find other people attractive and that's completely normal. It doesn't cancel out that. It doesn't nullify it. And it's, I, I don't think that's, contrary to anything i mean why wouldn't be doing because you're committed to that relationship when we have we're a collection of multiple desires all competing at once Mm -hmm. and that's that's one aspect to it but the more attention you're giving to any given thing the more value it's given so if i give my attention to something that doesn't align with me morally i feel that i've given it more value than it deserves i don't know if that's true though because I could think of like counter examples where, so so for instance with video games, video games have a heavy component of violence to it, mm-hmm. you know, generally, and some people thought that sort of like that by giving attention to that violence, by kind of embracing that violence, mm-hmm. it makes you more violent. Mm-hmm. But uh, they've done a couple studies on this, and I think it's just generally true. A lot of people find that to be an out release, or you know, a release from that uh, kind of pent up aggression and frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with people going to the gym. So going to the gym can be a very aggressive thing. But people actually get their aggression out, so at least for that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the same is true for like porn in a lot of ways. Like the way that our culture is set up, it gets people very kind of sexually frustrated because there are pictures of like naked, lewd women all over the place. And you know, for women, you know, half naked men and everything like this. Like there's a lot of stuff that's in the environment to stimulate, you know, those sexual responses. So that gets kind of pent up and that pent upness has to come out somewhere. If you are in a circumstance where there's the desire to say, say, I wouldn't say cheat, but there's like lots of attractive women around and you're getting that sexual frustration built up because you want to remain monogamous, that feeling, that emotion, that thing with inside you can build up. But you might release that by watching some porn or, you know, masturbating or doing something to get that energy out of you. Mm -hmm. I just I personally feel too guilty giving any time to something that doesn't align with me morally. I I feel like I am too disjointed as a person to have one moral like, I don't know, I, I think you have to incorporate your potential for evil within the potential for good. And you have to treat fantasy as fantasy and reality as reality. If fantasy plays into reality, that's another thing. And that's something you can measure, right? So uh, I'm not saying that I am somebody who watches the cheating, these cheating videos. 
if I do, it's not pertinent to the, the video. Like, you know, I'm not seeking out those videos specifically. But if that's ever released for somebody and they don't cheat, then you can't say it's having a bad impact on them. Now, if someone watches those videos and increases the likelihood that they'll cheat or the fact, let's, let's say you have like some sort of study where you study like a million people and you kind of track that sort of stuff, is if some increased probability of people cheating, you know, in the other group who watch those kind of videos and who seek those videos out, well, then there's some sort of correlation there. But otherwise, you know, it can show that there is actually a delineation, delineation between fantasy and reality. And also, it's, it's not like even if it's some sort of inner fantasy, it could just be an idea your mind's trying to explore. Like, whenever I watch a TV show, I find the ideas and stuff covered in it very interesting, but it's stuff I would never want to do, right? I mean, when I watch Game of Thrones, like, none of that seems very much a thing I want to do, but I like seeing other people do it. And there's that factor of putting myself in someone else's shoes mm -hmm. and seeing how they handle that. Like some of the characters, like uh, Daenerys, for instance, uh, Mother of Dragons, like I just find her interesting as a character to watch. And she's fascinating and kind of putting myself into that position. And I don't think about what I would do. I just like understanding this character. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just entertaining. So I, I don't think there always has to be that you putting yourself in that situation. It could be seeing how the situation pulls out. Uh, there, it's something. There's something specific with porn that precludes me from my suspension of disbelief. Okay. And I'm. I'm not. I guess I'm not entirely sure what it is. Um, but I. I read. A, I took a, one of those. You know, personality tests. I think it was like 16 personalities or whatever. Um, and whatever it gave me, uh, I read it and I'm like, this is like spot on. I feel like, like anyone who reads this will like get me. And get what's in my head. Mm. But like one of the biggest things that it was saying was like, I have ideals and I hold myself to ideals and I'm not willing to sacrifice anything for them to the point where, like what we're talking about, I can't put myself in a headspace where I would even allow something like that to happen hypothetically because it doesn't align with my ideals. It doesn't align with my soul. I can't even hypothetically do bad things like that because it doesn't align with me yeah it said it was, It also said it was the rarest personality type less than one percent yeah to, to me that sounds like a very unusual like I'm, i don't want to be like uh too armchairy mm -hmm. with this but it it's very like unusual i think from a personality perspective which mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's bad it's i'm not taking offense just it, talk. it's definitely a good thing mm -hmm. well because my current boss right now he has a similar sort of uh, personality mm -hmm. uh affect which it, it's very unusual like he could be in any sort of situation and he will act the right way you know regardless of how like messed up it is mm -hmm. right like uh there is something that uh psychologist jordan peterson talks a lot about where most of the people who were the guards in the Nazi prison camps were ordinary people. Like, mm -hmm. if you go to, like, a Shaw's or, like, a uh, grocery store... Lots of Nazis. Lots of people who become prison camp guards. And not just that, a lot of these people would actually end up, they would enjoy it. Now, mm -hmm. of course, there would probably be some inner turmoil there as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they don't know the darkness that their heart can, mm -hmm. you know, uh, gain sustenance from. 
and it's because those parts of the personality they haven't quite explored. Mm-hmm. Now, I think some people like yourself might be unusual in that they you may not be able to gain that satisfaction. You might be able to resist it, or you have no temptation for that because that part of your personality is just. I don't even know how to like put it. It's not there or it's cut off or mm-hmm. it's just kind of like more set in stone. Hyper repressed. Hyper repressed. My superego is doing fucking triple time. But I, I think the majority of people though, they're more in that camp where they are more circumstantially determined by the environment. Mm-hmm. And I think I am like that myself because I've done a lot of thinking in certain aspects of what I would do in certain circumstances and what, you know, what my response would be. And I have to say, like in a lot of, you know, situations, I would act immorally, which Mm -hmm. is why it's important for me to not get into those situations. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring up one that's kind of a little, going to sound a little bad, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think this is well understood in the general culture too, Mm -hmm. is that it's possible for me to cheat on my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And that's a situation I want to avoid, but this is where you have to be careful, right? Because we've all heard situations where, let's say, uh, a, a guy and a girl, you know, there's, you know, like maybe they're colleagues and they go out for just a drink, you know, maybe with some friends. And then uh, and they're having a little fun, you know, and they get a little bit rowdy and stuff. Uh, they start drinking more and more and then kind of get a little bit playful, but nothing's like crossing the boundary. Mm-hmm. And then over the night, things just get kind of like, more and more progressive. Mm-hmm. Like it's like take one extra step, one extra step, and then everyone leaves and then it's just them at the bar and then, you know, you're sober, so you drive her home and then you talk to one thing to another and then all of a sudden like physical escalation happens and then she wants to show you something at her place and then ends up that you end up like banging, right? Okay. So, so that's not like a really good, you know, explanation, but you can fill in the gaps. We all heard those kind of stories happen, right? That sounds like rape. You're sober. She's not. Okay. You're, you're both drunk. I, I don't. Okay. The, this, because of who I am, that matters so much to me and it ruins that your point, but okay, okay. Wh- it matters to me. Okay. You can imagine a story. Okay. Imagine the story without, without the alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Got uh, it. Like, Perfect. like the alcohol wasn't really pertinent. I was just trying to. I, now I'm on board with it. Okay. So no alcohol. So you could see over mm-hmm. that course, or let's say it's even like a, you go on like a whole month or let's say a month-long excursion with your colleague to Germany for some work business trip, mm-hmm. and you guys are, like, right down the hall from each other. Mm-hmm. And you just spend more time with each other, and eventually the one thing leads to another. Analogy. Yeah. Got it. So the fact of the matter is, if I was in that, that frog in that pot, mm-hmm. I could see myself just coming to those situations, mm-hmm. which is why I try to preclude myself from those situations of, you know, not... I, I try to not be in those situations. Interesting. So, you know, if I am going to like a party or something and then, I, I don't know, let, let's say there's someone attracted there and this person is flirting with me, I need to be less flirty with them. I need to be a bit, a little bit standoffish. And let's say we're driving home alone. Like that, I, I shouldn't be driving home alone with her because who knows where that could lead. Mm-hmm. And... I was talking to someone about this recently and because he ended up in a situation just like that mm-hmm. where uh, there was someone who, I guess, his wife thought that she was interested in him and mm-hmm. he was, she was a colleague. They had a party and then he was bringing her back and then uh, she, she starts trying to like, uh, you know, suck his dick essentially in the car. Mm. And, 
he was driving her home. He didn't think it was a big deal, but his wife was like, you should have known. Like, you know, that's not a situation you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. And th- that's my thought as well. Like, I don't agree with the wife, but I, I, I don't agree with that. I think you, you, regardless of what the situation you're in, you have to make decisions in those moments. And the situation shouldn't change what's right or wrong. Shouldn't change the decision you make. Because what's right or wrong should decide what you do in that situation. I understand that's not the train of thought. I understand that's not the logic that's being followed. But that's all my brain can comprehend. So it's not whether it's right or wrong. It's what determines the action. It's, you know, what your brain is doing at the moment. And that's where we vehemently disagree. Well, I'm not disagreeing. I am. I'm disagreeing with with my the way my brain thinks and the way your brain thinks disagree. I'd say they work differently. Sure. If you want to get semantical. Well, because what's the disagreement there? I mean. That they're not equal. Yeah, they're not the same. Yeah. The, the that's, the, all, that's all I mean by yeah, disagree. Yeah, because the way the brains, our brains work are different. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. most people's brains are the frog in the I'm spot. I'm confident you're correct. Yeah. And, and it's infuriating for somebody like me. I can't say that your brain isn't <laughs> the same. But I, I wouldn't say that your brain is wrong. I, I would say it would be better for a society if brains were more like yours because mm-hmm. that would be easier, right? Mm-hmm. If I didn't have that moral suspicion, then mm-hmm. I wouldn't be as concerned. So, so, for instance, I don't think I would be able to become a concentration camp guard, mm-hmm. but it's still a situation I don't want to be in at all. Mm-hmm. So... I've determined that if I start determining or if I start seeing signs that that is something which might be a possibility in, say, where I live, Mm -hmm. where things are going downhill, I am going to flee from here, Mm -hmm. right? And and get as far as way to avoid that possibility. Mm -hmm. And it's not the off chance that I might enjoy being, you know, you know, committing evil. It's more the possibility that I know that would destroy myself and Mm -hmm. I would comply with whatever is, you know, commanded of me Mm because, you know, between you know living or dying, I'm gonna comply, mm-hmm. and that's gonna destroy me overall. So I'd rather just avoid that. And what's interesting as well is, uh, it's not everybody, but there's a large influx of uh, people who fled from uh, Germany before those programs or after a certain thing started. So people saw the writing in the wall, and all the ones who. I want to say the ones who knew what was gonna happen, but they kind of predicted it. They're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Because they knew what was going to happen to them, but also knew that even if they weren't going to be one of the main, uh, um, they weren't Jewish, for instance, mm-hmm. or one of the groups they were attacking, that did still be complicated from it as well. Mm-hmm. There'd still be a risk. Mm-hmm. Which I, I know you're, it sounds like you, you have to like disagree in face. Well, on of course. Well, that's chicken shit. Well, Something we, bad's happening. I better run away so I don't have to be involved. Well, yeah. I mean, what else can you do against the government? Stand up, die. No. Well, what does dying do? Does well, do you can be fighting for the the people who are need to be fought for. By dying. There's a chance you die. Yeah. You don't. You don't go out there and say, "Kill me." You don't kill yourself, but you risk. You take the risk. I can't say I would or wouldn't do that. I don't know. I wouldn't know unless I was in that situation. Mm-hmm. I may get scared and do the same thing. I don't know. But from a, a 
an objective moral situation standpoint, that seems like the obvious only decision would be to stand up for the people who need to be stood up for. See, I, I don't agree with that because mm-hmm. there is, there's a technical problem with that because there's an infinite number of people who you can stand up for at any moment, any mm-hmm. second across millions of different categories. Mm-hmm. And so determining, you know, what people to stand up for is the issue, you know, the location they are in. So are you just talking about your immediate location, talking about locations, you know, less immediate across the world? And they also there's a cost-benefit analysis as well. You know, what are the chances that me standing up is going to do anything? Because mm-hmm. I think it's definitely true that if, or I think it's a good argument to be had that if, let's say that somebody is getting harmed. Let's say let's say you go walk down the street and you see this guy beating up this other guy, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a cost-benefit there because what if you just say, hey, stop that. Stops mm-hmm. the fight and fixes the whole thing. He stops it. They walk away. It, it's fine. Mm-hmm. There's very little cost and there's only benefit. Mm-hmm. But there is also the possibility of you saying, hey, stop it. And then he takes a gun, shoots you, shoots the other guy, runs off. Yeah. So the benefit of that is negative. Yeah. Not only did you make it worse, you made it so much worse that now there's two people who are dying from gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. So there's a cost benefit to the calculation, and I think you have to take that with that as well because there's this immediacy bias, right? Because that's things happening right there. So of course that's what you deal with. You could say there's immediacy bias in say uh, a place like that because it's happening in your immediate vicinity, but not, who's not to say that you flee that place and you work on something that's more controllable because there's more benefits you can do. You go over to the U.S. and you start fixing some issues with poverty. Because that's something you can provide benefit to, whereas you can't overturn the government of Germany. Mm-hmm. Except we did. Uh, through thousands and thousands of deaths. Of people yep. putting their life on the line mm-hmm. to fight for the right thing. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, it's hard to say if it's the right thing. Stopping Nazi Hitler wasn't the right thing? Uh, so, so Yeah, that's going to be a hard-fought battle for you, brother. So it's hard to say the cost benefit was there because you have, what you have to look at is whether the intervention had killed more people overall. Because this is utilitarian, because and also kind of like metagaming it. So there is the idea that how stable was Germany? Number one, and number two, what would be the cost benefit of doing nothing at all? Because let's say that you throw in, say. I'm, I'm coming up. Let's just get a little bit like metagamey with the numbers here. Like, let's make up numbers. Let's say you have to throw in 10 million people to stop Nazi Germany, right? Mm-hmm. So that's 10 million people dead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's a, there's a cost there. So let's say 10 million lives. Let's say that you didn't stop them. And let's say Nazi Germany was not very stable. And mm-hmm. then the country fell apart. You know, let's say ten years after, because what they're doing was sustainable. Let's say five million people died. You mm-hmm. know, you know, because they weren't able to expand. They were just crumbling. They're already crumbling after you know from the wars. They're standstill. The, the, the whole government falls apart. And let's say five million people died in total after that. Mm-hmm. So by not doing anything, by not interfering, it may have been a five million, you know, deaths less than the other. Mm-hmm. So there's a cost benefit there. Mm-hmm. 
And some, it's not always that getting involved in something is a benefit. It could always be a cost. But the 10 million people who are dying are people who are volunteering to do so, to stand up for something. And the 5 million people who are dying are innocents who have no reason to be even put into that situation. So I think it's more just that the 10 million people volunteer their lives than for the 5 million people to have their lives sacrificed. Okay. Uh, okay. This gets into like weird stuff here. Of course. Because, okay. I'll, I'm going to agree with you that if it's a voluntary aspect, okay, maybe, maybe that's true. There's still a cost benefit because they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, certainly people could, you know, volunteer their lives all day. But what if they actually are doing the opposite of what is good for people, right? So th- th- that does like a separate point. But the other point is that, at least in this case, th- those people didn't volunteer their lives. They were drafted. And so they had no option in going mm-hmm. other than feeling, you know, fleeing to Canada. Well, that wasn't a part of the yeah hypothetical. Of what you just of the hypothetical. Yeah, yeah which I understand. The, I disagree with the draft in general. I don't think you should force people to fight. Yeah, yeah. So, but I was gonna say, if it's a voluntary aspect and that it's provably correlated that you can make a positive impact on something, if they volunteer, sure. Like, I think like, ten million volunteered life is is better than five million sacrificed, taken. Um, I'm not, I, I can't make that judgment. So that's the job. I would, I would rather have $5 million given to me than $10 million that I steal. So what I would say it's, it's not my decision to make in that instance It's the decision of the people who volunteer to do that. Exactly. And so, so that's something I would agree with so long as, you know, volunteering, but I would also say that it's something you have to be very smart with because, you know, in this at least in the theoretical aspect here, it's, it's easy to say, but once you start bringing like whether you make a positive or negative difference into that, like that's where it gets more challenging to determine. So in conclusion, I would read the porn that my dad wrote. Would you? Yeah. Why not? If it's the hottest porn ever written, I'll read that bad boy. I'll fucking bookmark that. Okay. Dog ear those pages. Okay. Okay, what, 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 would you uh, whack the willy? Uh, I mean, if it's the hottest porn ever written, am I going to have a choice? <laughs> the willy whack itself? It's just going to be get whacked. <laughs> it's going to be one of those no touches. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I think we talked too much about the, the Holocaust today. Didn't we say we're not so something we try to avoid talking about? Like First last? off, we said this is something we don't like to talk about. Second, we said this is going to be a short episode. And right now it's at 39 minutes. Oh, God. So the usual, because, you know, we're on par. Okay. You know, this started out talking about porn. <laughs> ah, oh, my God. It did. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, yeah, so if you want to see more of us and talk about porn videos mm-hmm. and the Holocaust, let no, us know. Find a- Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Sorry. Oh, 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 okay. We're at facebook.com slash we need to talk show. What I really want to know is would you read a porn that your dad wrote? That's what I want people to tell me. E- even if you just say yes or no, you don't even need to get into detail. I'd love some detail. Okay, that sounded weird. But – I'd, I'd really love to know, yes or no. And more importantly, if it was your stepfather, would it make a difference? Cause That's a good question. He's not actually family. Third, how do you feel about Dito Angel? Have you seen her butthole? Because it's rather fantastic. 
a butthole, dude. Uh, so there's different quality. <laughs> Nate, we need to talk. Coming from the heart of New York City, this is the podcast We Need to Talk with your hosts, Meter and Pepin. I'm Pepin. Live from New York, it's Saturday night! Oh, that was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs>